self-awareness isn't being aware that you're ranting, that you're criticizing, that you're blaming, that you're living three days in the past instead of here now. That's awareness. Self-awareness is a curiosity about why am I ranting? Why am I living three days ago? Why am I still carrying this thing? Hey, 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 so glad you're here. This is Tracking Yes, and you are exactly where you're meant to be. I'm your host, Liz Wilson, coach, writer, and round-the-clock philosopher. And this, my friends, is where the magic happens. Join me and my guests for stories that will inspire you to dial up your curiosity, fine-tune your courage and wisdom, and create an empowered relationship with whatever's happening now. On today's show, I'm talking about the difference between awareness and self-awareness, and why the distinction is important. One gets us in touch with how we're reacting to the world, and the other has us understand the deep response that's wanting to emerge through us. I'm sharing some wisdom from Deepak Chopra, Brene Brown, and the practice and philosophy of mindfulness. It's all about becoming intimate with your experience and yourself, so that when you're moving in the world, you're moving from a place of agency, clarity, and creativity. There's a really cool teaching that I learned from Deepak Chopra this winter, and um, I want to share a story about how it played out in my life that helped me really land it, because it kind of sounds like one thing, but the more I worked with it, I realized it was it was more complex than I at first understood. Okay, so the teaching is that whenever we have an experience, the mind is in one of three states. It's either unconscious, meaning simply what's happening is happening, you're having your reactions, but you're not really noticing anything, you're just kind of on autopilot. And then the second state is awareness, where you realize you're having a reaction. And you might realize that you're caught in something. You might realize you're feeling angry or frustrated or resentful, or you're afraid, or you're judging or blaming or criticizing someone, or you're just in a state of resisting or constricting around your experience. So you're aware of what's happening. But then there's the third state, which is self-awareness. And self-awareness is different than awareness. And this experience that I had really drove the point home. Um, So I'm going to tell the story and then speak to what I saw the distinction was between these things. So across the street from my house, there's a series of uh, walking trails that in the winter, there's a small group of people that have fat bikes. They're big fat tire bikes that you can ride on snow and we ride the trails and they're super fast and technical and it's a wild ride and there's lots of flying off into snowbanks and it's just really, really great winter exercise and entertainment. But when there's big snowfalls, you can't ride, you'll just auger down and you won't get anywhere. So there's a small subgroup 
maybe four or five of us who go out with shovels when it snows and we actually shovel out the trail system. So we're not shoveling it down to earth. We're just taking the, the deepest snow off it. And then we ride it and then it makes this maybe 16 inch wide, really smooth, well-packed trail that's super, super fun to ride on. And the added bonus is that it also makes it really nice going for the people who are walking dogs and just going over there and walking every day. Okay, so this winter we had a lot of snow and I had probably put in about 30 or 40 hours uh, just working on grooming and maintaining the trails. Because it's become like a meditation for me. I feel like this is my little corner of the world to be the caretaker of in the winter. It makes it really fun for biking. But I'm also just out with my shovel in the forest, hanging with my dog and the trees and the birds and the who knows what wild animals are peering out of the forest saying, what the hell is she doing? Which is also part of the adventure of it. And so it's a it's a really great joy in my life to do it. And it's also a tremendous amount of physical work. Like you're tired. After a big snowfall, I might spend three hours over there. So the incident happened in mid-January. It started when the temperature was forecast to get crazy, extremely abnormally warm, meaning it was going to go from below freezing to plus 12 Celsius. And for you Americans, that's about 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is not good because when it gets that warm, what happens is the snowpack gets isothermic, meaning instead of having the lower layers of snow be still frozen, it's zero degrees throughout and there's a lot of water running through the snowpack from top to bottom. And when that happens, it loses its cohesiveness. It has no structural integrity. And at this point, even the packed trail itself with all the shoveling was probably a good foot and a half deep. And that will now not support the weight of anyone walking on it. And I knew that it was going to get this warm just for this one day. So I'm like, oh my God, the trails are going to be so vulnerable on that day. If anybody goes walking on them, they're going to get trashed. So I was really hoping and praying that nobody would, but somebody did. So I went out the following morning and somebody had walked the entire 10 kilometers of trails. And what happens when someone walks on a trail in that temperature is they post hole, meaning you sink in all the way to the bottom of the snowpack. So these perfectly groomed, gorgeous, smooth, luge type, awesomely fun trails were now absolutely destroyed. They were like rutted and massive holes. And, you know, I, I think whoever was walking was also falling down a lot. So there were big body divots and uh, yeah, it was a mess. And the other thing that happened was that night after that day, when someone had walked on all of them, it froze. The temperature changed dramatically. It went to minus 20 Celsius, which is minus four Fahrenheit. So 
it was a 30 degree temperature drop. And so now this mass of trail systems froze solid in place. So it's not even like you could just, you know, go fill it in and pack it down because it was icy, rock solid, bulletproof chaos in the whole trail system. Okay, so I was like, come on, go walk on the sidewalk for one day. It rained all night last night. How could you not know this was going to wreck everything? For Christ's sake. And I also thought, I will not be defeated. So for the next three days, I went out with my shovel and I just worked diligently pulling snow off the sides and carrying it in and filling in the holes and stomping it down. Uh, the next day it got a little bit warmer. So I was able to like scrape some, some of the big ruts down. And after three days of really a whole lot of work, and, and I had help from one of the other people who maintains the trails, thank God, because it was epic. Anyway, we got it mostly back in shape. I was so surprised because I thought we're not coming back from this, but we got it probably 90% as good as it was before that happened. So now I'm going to go ride my bike. Yay, the work is done. Time for fun. So I go out and I I do my first lap up, which is, it's about 25 minutes of climbing up through the forest um, because I live in the mountains. So there's lots of hills. And then when you get to the top, there's like all these routes that you can come down that are super, super fun and fast and luge and I'm riding down them. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so fun. Like it's, it's like almost ama as amazing as it was. It's so good. Never thought we were going to get this back. Okay. Then I get to the bottom and I head up for my second lap. And as I'm riding up, I notice that I'm thinking repeatedly, I can't fucking believe somebody walked on all these trails. I cannot believe somebody just devastated these trails. Could they not see how much work was put into this? Could they not see how cared for they were, how much everyone was appreciating them? Who would just go walk all over here? And so, but then, so first it was unconscious because I didn't even know that I was saying that. And then I became aware that I'm saying it. So once I became aware that I was saying it, I was like, what? why am I doing that? Why am I, why do I keep running this story? The trails are fine now. They're fixed. And I'm still back there three days ago when they were wrecked instead of being right here, enjoying that they're fixed. So I kept telling myself, stop doing that. I would notice I'm doing it and I would say, stop doing it. Stop doing that. But I was not stopping because five minutes later, I would be again going, I can't believe it. I can't believe somebody would do this. Why are they not more considerate? Why are they not seeing the bigger picture here. So, and then it was like getting comical because I was like, okay, stop it. Stop doing that. Enjoy. It's all good now. It's better now. Just be here now. Enjoy the trails. And I'd be riding up and all of a sudden I'd be bastards. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> like, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why can I not stop doing this? Okay. So that was awareness. But what was really being called for was self-awareness. And that meant self-awareness isn't being aware that you're ranting, that you're criticizing, that you're blaming, that you're living three days in the past instead of here now. 
That's awareness. Self-awareness is a curiosity about why am I ranting? Why am I living three days ago? Why am I still carrying this thing? So as I started to get curious about why do I keep running this story, what I started to touch into was this quite deeply buried part of me that was feeling like, hey, I made something beautiful and I put so much of my love and care into it and I worked so hard on it and someone just wrecked it. And that part of me just needed to be acknowledged. Like she needed to get to say, why did they not understand that this was the undoing of a tremendous amount of hard work? Now, whoever did it and why ever they did it, honest to God, I'm sure it's just someone who went for a walk and got out there and went, oh, Jesus, this is awful, but okay, here I am, I'm out here now, so I'm going to keep going and maybe this way will be better. Nope, that way is not better, but now I'm going down this loop and well, let me try and climb up. Like they were probably just out walking and like they weren't in this, and maybe they were, maybe it was some malicious person going, oh, I hate bikers and I'm just going to go wreck all these trails. Either way, what was most relevant was a part of me felt like something that mattered to me was completely disregarded by somebody else. And to one degree or another, this kind of stuff happens all the time in life. And when there's real harm being caused and the world is asking for a response from us, it's still going to be more helpful to first get unhooked so that your response is clear and creative and collaborative rather than fear-based and reactionary and controlling, which just is never going to go well. And the hook is the idea that nobody cares about what's happened to you, but you get to care. It's like, hey, yeah, I get it. This sucks. You really have worked hard on these trails. And it sucks that someone wrecked them. And it sucks that you had to fix it. And good job fixing it. Holy shit, man, you are so committed. And once I got there, it just was done. I was no longer running that program because I had gotten deep enough into what was really going on for me in my experience that it could shift and move into the next thing. When I just kept staying on the surface, not letting myself feel that by focusing my attention on what out there was the problem without taking responsibility for what was happening inside in my experience, it was a trap because I can't meet what's going on out there clearly and effectively if I haven't got a handle on my own feelings around it, if it's all their fault that I feel this way. And you know, good luck with that because getting the whole world to stop doing things that are making me feel how I feel, it's just gonna keep repeating because you're avoiding the truest part of your experience, which is here in my agency, in this world filled with 7 billion people and the forces of nature and a complex, interconnected, never-ending collision of experiences that as much as I would like them to be are not designed or engineered specifically to make me happy. I'm being given the opportunity to grow up, to care for the younger 
triggered parts of self and help them integrate into who I am today and to participate in the world from a place of full responsibility for how I'm responding to whatever's happening rather than launching grenades out there and saying, that's the problem and it needs to sort itself out. And then I will be okay in this world. So my mindfulness teacher was talking about this in our class this week, how we have core feelings that get activated by an experience, things like fear or anger or sadness. And if we don't want to feel them, we'll go for an inhibiting feeling, something like powerlessness or shame or pity or guilt and that's we're trying to inhibit the deeper feeling that we don't want to feel. And then when the inhibiting feelings don't work, which they will never work because you're trying to avoid what's really there for you to experience, we'll shift into defense, which could look like self-righteousness or numbing or judging, blaming, criticizing, controlling. And those are meant to defend against something we perceive out there as the problem but we're actually defending against the thing that we don't want to feel. Brene Brown says something amazing. Someone asked her what is her greatest sense of, I guess, despair or heartache in humanity right now. And she said, it's that so many people are more interested in causing pain than feeling pain. And I wholeheartedly agree with her because we're so trying to stay comfortable and not feel painful things. And we just keep projecting all this hostility and aggression out into the world, which causes pain out there in the world. And it also causes more pain to ourselves than if we would just feel what we're feeling. And I can tell you from experience in my own life and from a lot of work with my clients, it doesn't kill you you can feel the really difficult, really painful things. You can feel fear, anger, sadness, loneliness, and navigate through it instead of this constant tap dancing and strategizing um, to get away from it, which just loops us back around in the circle. So I want to just come back and recap. Unconscious would be, you don't even know you're doing it. And then awareness is, I know that I'm doing it, but now if I just stay only with awareness, ego will look for the most immediate and efficient response to addressing this experience. So I need to just get over it, just drop it, stop it. Can you enjoy where you are? Can you enjoy what's happening here? This is ego, right? How do I get what I want right now so I can resolve it and get on with things? But it's not the most empowered version of what we want because it's this immediate gratification version. Just stop complaining. Self-awareness is, I notice the impact this experience has on me so I can understand it. And through that greater clarity, it just naturally transforms and evolves into something new, into the next thing. So self-awareness is a willingness to go deeper into your experience than whatever belief or story you're running. And you'll know you're not there yet 
if you keep experiencing the same thing on repeat. For example, in that one, I was in, in a belief of people should be respectful, but people should not wreck things that other people made. But that's a story because in fact, in this case, the person, for whatever reason, respectful, not respectful, did wreck what I made. So that's what's really happening. And that's what really needs some space. So just a final thought from Deepak on this, because it really is all about your inquiry. Once you're aware and moving into self-awareness, where are you looking? And how he puts this is such a beautiful way to consider it. He says, nature doesn't reveal herself to us as she is, but how she is exposed to us through our method of questioning. So if you live into non-egoic questions, deeper questions like, what is here for me to work with? You start to get out of the spin. So some key questions you can be asking are, what is the purpose of this experience? What's it trying to reveal to me? What happens right now if I follow this to the left or follow it to the right or down and around, like wherever it's going? What is it to be wildly curious and deeply intimate with exactly the experience I'm having with no agenda to find an answer, but just to be led by it? So I'm guessing you will find something in the next, oh, month or week or day or hour of your life where you could practice this. And so again, the steps are just, once you are aware of something, you're no longer unconscious, but now keep going. Why am I responding the way I am? Something in here is trying to get my attention. What is it? And here's what's so cool about doing this work. There's nothing more rewarding than knowing yourself with this degree of intimacy because you're getting rid of all the layers of bullshit between you and the world, between you and the present moment, so that you are in a clear, unimpeded relationship with it. And you start to become such good friends with yourself instead of this egoic, frightened, controlling, strategizing being that's running you that you don't even know who it is, but you know it's not you. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you got a lot out of the show. And if it brought up any questions for you, head on over to my website and click on the questions tab and send them along and I will answer them in an upcoming episode. And guess what? I'm going to be interviewing my mindfulness teacher in an upcoming episode. So if you have any questions about mindfulness, you've always wanted to ask. She's brilliant and wise, and I'm sure she'll blow you away with her answers. Check out the show notes for links to my coaching website, lizwilson.com, and my coaching blog, trackingyes.com. And if you like the show, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you like to listen to podcasts. Talk to you next time. And in the meantime, have a great week and keep the compass lined up with yes. Yes.